0: Hello, folks. How are you? Uh, Edith here. And this is Soundtracking with me, Edith Bowman. Thank you so much for joining me uh, for this episode of my weekly podcast, where I dive into the incredible creative minds of people from the world of film, music and TV to talk about that unique and beautiful and brilliant and inspiring relationship between music and The Movement Image and I love making this podcast so much. Um, Every week is so different because the conversation is so unique to that person. Now last week I um, teased you with the fact that we were going to have Mark Mothersburg as our guest this week and that's a slight change of plans. Mark will be next week's guest and that's because we had access to uh, an incredible creative mind, someone who I've admired their work greatly um, over their last three films and We had access to, and his latest film is currently in cinema. So, I'm wanting to try and make sure that we got this out to share with you to give you the opportunity to go and see this film, The Northman, at the cinema because it is so worth it. It's a proper physical experience, both sonically and visually. So, our latest guest on soundtracking, he is a writer, director who, from the start of his career with the acclaimed Horrors, The Witch, and The Lighthouse, which I loved. Just the journey that he's on as a filmmaker is so exciting. Robert Eggers has followed these up with Northman, a visceral Viking epic based on the Scandinavian legend of Amleth. The film is scored by Robin Carlin and Sebastian Gainsborough and we'll hear plenty of their work from the film shortly. But before that, I wanted to tell you about a very exciting project that Disney have been working on. Now, you might be familiar with a new musical genre called Low Fidelity or Lo-Fi. It's beautifully atmospheric and I find it particularly helpful to help me relax and unwind too. It's also a great soundtrack for productivity. It just seems to put me in the the right frame of mind and really helps me focus. Well, some of the biggest names in Lo-Fi have teamed up with Disney for Disney's first ever Lo-Fi album, Lo-Fi Mini Focus. It's some of your favourite Disney songs like Hakuna Matata from The Lion King or How Far I'll Go from one of my favourite Disney films, Moana or Un Poco Loco from Coco which we had director Lee Uncridge on this very podcast talking about. These classics and many more have been reimagined by some of the biggest names in lo-fi. It's a beautiful collaboration. The Lo-Fi Mini Focus album is out now and you can get it on all major streaming services. Just search Lo-Fi Mini Focus to listen now. And so to Robert and the Northmen. And we'll begin with one of Robin and Sebastian's cues from the film Blood Tree Part 1. It's great to see you again. How are you?
1: I'm okay. I was just doing a Reddit AMA that was like incredibly <laughs> useful for me technology-wise, but uh, we made it through. I'm sorry I'm a little late.
0: <laughs> Don't worry at all, you made it. That's the best thing. Huge congratulations on the, the response and the reaction to the film. You must be thrilled.
1: Relieved. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, oh, it's so, so uh, deserving as well and people must see it on a big screen. It has this real kind of physical, transportative kind of nature about it, particularly with the sort of, you know, the sound design and the, the score and and all that. It's so fantastic. So if anyone's listened and they haven't seen it in cinema yet, go now. So good.
1: Thanks for saying so. And and I really agree. I mean, you know, all my films I've made to be seen in cinemas, and, and I really think this one in particular just needs it. But boy, that 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 that's that screen in Leicester Square I, yeah I,
0: I told I, you
1: I mean some of those drums I I hope most people came wearing diapers <laughs> uh,
0: it was it's kind of it's almost beating my kind of heart for me at one point it's so great when you when you're writing um like with with the Northmen, for example, is. Are you thinking about sound whilst you're writing? Are you thinking about music whilst you're writing, or does it come later in the the, the kind of creative journey?
1: Both. Um, I, I you know I listen to a lot of music when I write, and, and certainly I I'm thinking about music. Therefore, uh, when I'm writing a scene, but sometimes you know, and, and but but sometimes that my instincts. Uh, my first instincts are not the right ones, and things change. And you know, once you start in, in the ed- getting into the edit and trying things, you you see that what's working, what doesn't. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely thinking a lot about sound and music. But I but I also think that with this movie, sometimes we realized with the sound design of the with the landscapes that we had to push things further than I expected in order to communicate the. Brutality, or the vastness, or uh, or the intensity of the landscape, or the weather, which is something that I obviously very much did in the lighthouse, but yep. didn't didn't realize I would need to go as far at times, even further in in this film.
0: They're such different. I mean, very different films, but they're very different scores as well. I was actually just listening to the the soundtrack for the Lighthouse today, just as the sound of it, rather than watching it with the film. It's incredibly powerful. And I just watched this fantastic documentary about Ennio Morricone, which is coming out in cinemas today. And it was I learned so much about him that I didn't know. One of the things that I found fascinating was this kind of stage of kind of experimentalism that he went through as a as a as a musician as and a composer, really fighting against the the expected and the the restraints of what people expected from a composer it was really inspiring and and there was times when I was listening back to lighthouse today that I was kind of like man this is really I don't know if it was inspired by by that era of Morricone you know the kind of away from that what everyone knows him from the side of him that I didn't know about but I was really learned very quickly about it and enthused by it but it was um, it really reminded me of that listening to to the lighthouse soundtrack today. I don't know if that was any in any way an inspiration.
1: Uh you know, no, but I think that it's still within the realm of that 20th century classical music tradition that was so dissonant and experimental. Mm-hmm. So like not necessarily Marconi specifically, but it's within uh kind of the, the work that people were doing, particularly in the mid-century. And it, it's funny, you know, in that that music, there's aspects of that in *The Witch* and the score, but it's it's there's something about even though even though even though I'm constantly drawn to the, the past and trying to make everything in the movie sort of my movies connected to the period in which I'm telling them. And there is something about that mid-century classical music that articulated something about like our human emotions that yeah ever been done before you know and obviously that kind of dissonance stuff becomes like a horror movie cliche but there was but but before that we didn't there there, there was there was nothing I mean it's crazy it's like this is kind of random but it's funny to listen to like Tudor music you know and You know, my wife's like, how can you listen to this all day long? You know, and and I, you know, because it's so like, hey, Nani Nani. And you (laughs) kind of, you know, oh, like this, this, I could see how this could be nice, but it's like, this is as good as it gets. Hey, Nani Nani is the most fucking moving thing you've ever (laughs) felt in your entire life. You know, that you can't, no one's heard anything better, (laughs) more (laughs) complicated (laughs) than that.
0: When you're when you're writing, you were talking about earlier about writing and you have music around whilst you're writing. Do you mm. do you stay away, away from what are you drawn to listen to musically when you're when you're writing? Are you drawn towards like we we're just talking about or are you drawn towards music that you I don't know, contemporary music? Or how do you form those decisions about what you're listening to whilst you're writing?
1: Like I will, you know, there's this genre of neo post-metal nordic folk that i would listen to but sometimes it it becomes too distracting so i I do do a lot of like drone music classical and electronic drone music because it just kind of like sets a mood and it's not like overwhelming and and distracting you know
0: talk to me a little bit about um robin and sebastian because They've obviously got this long-standing relationship, but this is the first. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time that they've they've worked together. So, you know, well, with the, with the witch and with with um, the lighthouse. You, Mark was you what you worked with Mark, but but this was that you brought these two together. Did you? How did that happen?
1: They they work together. Like Robin has produced some of Seb's uh, records, and mm. and Robin's one of my closest friends. I didn't know Seb, and, and embarrassingly, I didn't know Seb was Vessel until we'd been working together for months like and i love vessels i, I, I love, but i didn't know that they were the same person <laughs> and, did you just
0: immediately uh, like fanboy boy out with him then as soon as you yeah, found out i was like oh
1: my God. <laughs> but i was also like super embarrassed um but so i mean, yeah i mean yeah they haven't done a score before but i just knew robin and i knew like his work and the- yeah I knew that he would bring something special to this and he knew that he needed Seb as a partner to like get there, but it was, um, it was amazing collaboration and Robin like knows me and knows my tastes really well, but also is able to like challenge me. You know, I really value my collaborators like intense honesty and that, and and Robin certainly provides that. It's a cool score. Um, Yeah. I mean, like obviously there's this bed of symphonic strings and and choir but then all the lead instruments pretty much are from the viking age and and we also use like hypothetical uh, old norse singing styles there is there is the, these making stringed instruments like taggle harpa and nickel harpa are not insanely expressive stringed instruments so we had this incredibly talented string player trying to like get these <laughs> these really primitive things to like emote and yeah. and she's trying as hard as she can and uh you know and there's a couple times where, where we have uh, uh rocky who's seb's partner who's played first violin on the score sometimes she's trying to play a violin as like um, unemotionally and primitively as possible <laughs> to kind of meet the other way
0: <laughs> i like that it's almost kind of treating them as as living things in a way of trying to yeah trying to get that the, the right emotion for that right cue or part of the narrative out of it that's so interesting
1: and and like and it's the most film i've ever most music i've ever had in a film i mean the, the I, th- I think the soundtrack that, that you can like download or get on vinyls like an hour and 15 minutes but there's 2 hours of composed music for the film but some of the uh, more droney stuff didn't make the the cut to uh, listen <laughs> to at home but but there's it, it really the music guides you through the film you know with hopefully it's not like it doesn't feel like a tv score where it's like telegraphing emotions in a a frustrating way but it should be guiding you uh through the whole piece
0: it's almost got kind of a spiritual nature in a way you know that kind of the 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 idea that the the traditions of these you know of these people and these tribes almost as well the music is almost kind of i feel at times is almost kind of like this sort of I guess, you know, the sort of chieftain of these things that kind of almost guide you, the sort of higher power in a way that's kind of guiding you through at times in a way.
1: Well, I think that, I think that what film music needs to do is, like, articulate the... not the surface emotion, but the subtext and the things that you... I mean, with The Witch, most of the music is incredibly minimal, like super minimal, so like, and mixed very low and almost subliminally. then you know when Caleb meets the witch in the woods and the climax of the film the score completely overwhelms and it's just like score and image because there's no other way to communicate like the emotional state of the of the characters without music there's no other way maybe was a better filmmaker I could purely do it with images but I, I, I wasn't not, not at that point
0: it is really minimal but the it's it's really um the precision of it is so great like even that kind of in the when the which what went we that first that kind of first piece it's the kind of strings but you have this kind of i don't know what the noise is or what the kind of it's that sort of magnetic kind of almost the hitting of the strings or whatever it is and that tiny little detail emotes so much and and so even though it, you say it's minimal it's it's so powerful
1: Thanks. Yeah, no, that's, well, that is also Nick, nickel harpa, which is, uh, uh, again, which is basically like, um, a string instrument with keys so you can hear the clacking of the keys that's pressing oh, down. Wow. The Actually, Mark recorded just a bunch of samples of him clacking that we could like put more <laughs> in to make it sound more rough and, and, and crusty. <laughs> Uh, you you know here and there
0: it's really good it's like bones yeah (laughs) it's so good What were the conversations that you had though with Robin and Seb? Did you, you know, when you started the conversation about them working with you and collaborating with you, did you know or did you did you have an idea of how you wanted the score to sound? What the relationship with the, with the visuals and the narrative and the performances and the character needed to be?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I was talking about this movie with Robin before it existed. And at the time, Robin was talking a lot about the sounds of, of nature. Uh, And, and I also think that we originally, you know, Robin didn't want a very macho score. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean like the, the, I can't believe I made such a macho movie myself, but the last, (laughs) like, is, is, you know, very metal. Uh, to to put it mildly. Uh, But I think, you know, I sent them a massive playlist that Robin says broke his computer, um, you you know, which (laughs) which included Viking music uh, and Viking inspired music and, uh, and, and Nordic folk and uh, Tibetan Mm -hmm. music and lots of, you know, Ligeti and Pandaretsky and, you know, a lot good stuff. So there was a lot. And, 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 and I, and I think we tended to, to, as I probably said earlier, like be on the same page, but also because, because Robin and seven hadn't done a film score before we did, they did some demo tracks when we were still like developing the movie to kind of like show the studio that they they could, could do this. So we like in our, in, in October, of twenty something, <laughs> I don't remember anymore. We, <laughs> you know, we we all met up in London and and recorded uh, a couple of demo tracks, which were also really informative of both exactly what we were after and in some ways what we like weren't after. Like that one of yeah. the pieces, which w- was really successful and really fun and really energizing and 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 inspiring to. All, all the heads of department and the studio executives, I think was maybe a little too close to the, this pop Viking music. And, and it was good for us to kind of see see how to get there and then how to take that further and make yeah. it more uh, unique.
0: You know, the, the growth as a filmmaker as well is so exciting for us as film fans to watch, you know, kind of the journey that you're on over these last three films. But for you in terms of your relationship with music and how you collaborate with music. Would you say it's changed much?
1: I don't think it's changed too much, but it's just this film, because it's for a broader audience, like, mm-hmm. you know, it takes on a more operatic quality and it need, and, and, and there is a little bit more hand-holding that is needed, hence kind of just more music. With what we were talking about earlier, I still don't want it to, to be like bashing mm. you over the head. I don't want to be spoon feeding. Yeah. Like, I do want it to bash you over the head, <laughs> but I don't, I don't it, you possibly. Yeah. But I, don't, <laughs> I don't want it to be um, spoon. Fed. Yeah. Yeah. you know i i'm I'm grateful that in my teen years I had the misguided perception that I might might be a musician and uh and I took music really seriously and i you know i had i took a music theory class in high school i mean I'm so grateful for all that experience because I can talk to my composers not always like sometimes I'm saying like you know but, but, but often I can I actually have terms that I know things and so and so that helps me be more specific which is which is nice
0: when did you flip from wanting to be a musician to being wanting to be a filmmaker then
1: I was always kind of doing a little bit of everything and I was doing theater all through high school and before um but i think basically i i got into berkeley's school of music and that's when i realized i didn't want to be a musician <laughs> uh yeah so i kind of realized like like I, you worked hard enough to do this but it's not really for you you know you're kind of a fake <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's a nice tool to have in your armor, you know, moving forward, though, yeah. in terms of, you know, like you say, it's kind of it's an understanding and appreciation and a respect for for that side yeah. of things. Absolutely. What, what are some of your favorite film scores? Do you have any?
1: I mean, look, you know, grow, growing up, obviously, you, you know, name a film composer, John Williams. But, <laughs> you know, but 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 Danny Elfman. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, as like, as a kid, like the the Danny Elfman Batman stuff, but look, I mean, I'm guarantee you, if I put on E.T. this afternoon, like that final music cue is going to make me cry a lot. Damn it. <laughs> uh, and it's, so, you know, but obviously anything Bernard Herman's always really great. And, you know, one of the things about the witch score that I don't, Love is just that after there will be blood, the like screechy string thing just got too like overused. And I think, I think, I think we just like, I think the witch was just long enough ago that it was like not completely over <laughs> when we did it. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it was almost over, <laughs> but not completely over. But that, but that score was so in it, you know, influential and most of my colleagues that are around my age the film directors that I talk to talk about like that movie sort of like, Oh my God, like, this is, this is everything I've, I've been wanting to do. And I didn't know it kind of a, a thing. And, and, and that, you know, the score was, uh, very inspirational. And then, and then, uh, you know, of course talking about all the 20th century m- music and the horror cliches, uh, you know, the shining, uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: totally. We were—I was lucky enough to do a, an episode with Johnny Greenwood actually, and we talked quite a lot about about that score. And oh, it was amazing, actually. It was amazing. Yeah, so so like great to chat to him about it. I, I've got to say that the, the the lighthouse score. Oh my god, it's it's so great because it does have that kind of it has almost kind of like old school Hollywood thriller vibes to it at times, and I loved. Feeling like that today when I was just listening to it, it was kind of like this could be like Hitchcock. This could be you know, there's there's kind of well,
1: we. It was interesting. So like the the score, what, you know, because Corbin and I listened to a lot of weird stuff. And like I mean, you know, I'll happily like you know, I list like I'll listen to Stockhausen when my when my son was in what like was like a baby. I would like an infant like sleeping in the baby carrier. I'm like listening to Stockhausen like walking around the park. Like that's you know, we're 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 into was weird shit and. <laughs> And so, uh, but, the, but, but, as we were developing the score, Michael Schaefer at Regency kept saying like, the score is like insane. Like, you gotta, you gotta do something about this. And I kept saying, I'm, you know, when I'm happy with it, you're going to be happy with it. Don't worry. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. And finally, like we were getting really close to the, the like being done. And Schaefer was like, look, I really need you to ask yourself, like when, is the weirdness of the score adding to the tension? And when is it just fucking strange? <laughs> and I thought and that was a really good note. It was a really good note. And and it did kind of make Mark and I wake up and adjust some things. But then we also, like, you know, the the studio was wondering about having a more traditional film score. And I kept yeah. saying, no, no, that's not going to work. But I did realize through through them keep continuing to ask me about it that there was a reason why and i think it was because it didn't match like the look of the film Mm. and so we needed to have some strings that had kind of a more bernard hermony vibe to to match the visual the visuals Mm. so we have these you know tonal horns that match the, the story and the world but we needed those those strings to kind of uh ground it. it was really interesting when we were when we recorded it like we did we recorded it with some horn players and the and the music was so complex that some that the first time all of the horn players couldn't really handle it <laughs> and we actually had to do another recording session with like some some other horn players to to be able to handle the like really difficult passages but we kept some of the porn playing for like hungover scenes <laughs> nice <laughs> and it, it works quite well
0: yeah that's so fascinating mm-hmm. What's next? Do you know what's next?
1: Uh, I I shouldn't talk about it.
0: Okay, that's fine. Well, that gives us an excuse, hopefully, to do another episode, and we can then talk about it. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Um, it's really great to chat to you, and I'm, I'm such a fan, and it was just a... Uh, also, I've just got to say thank you for having Bjork in the film, because I've missed her, and it just reminded me, you know, to kind of dive back into her world, and around myself with her creativity and I had a fantastic time with that as well so thank you for that as well
1: thanks to Bjork <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um, congratulations on the film Robert it really is a, a fantastic fantastic piece of filmmaking and you're yeah I'm so excited to see what's next
1: thank you and it and it it only succeeds with Robert and Seb's like really incredible score I'm tired of the score so tired of it but like the the soundtrack was released today and i did i admit like listen to a few
0: tracks (laughs) as you should listen have a great weekend it's so great to chat to you and um yeah take care okay thank you so much to the Northmen, that I Am His Vengeance by Robin Carlin and Sebastian Gainsborough rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Robert Eggers My huge thanks to Robert for taking the time to talk to us I had a fantastic time picking his brain and just hearing him talk about his wonderful creativity. The Northman is on general release now and really is one of those films that you've got to see on the big screen. Head to edithbowman.com to catch up with all of our previous episodes, including my conversations with Paul Thomas Anderson and Johnny Greenwood. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do send us an email if you fancy getting in touch. We are info at edithbowman.com. That's info at edithbowman.com. Next up, finally going to share with you my conversation with Mark Mothersberg, who is many things. Some of you may know him as a member of Devo. He's also a composer. He's a singer. He's a multi-instrumentalist and Weirdly, I was reacquainted with Mark through watching the kids' TV show Yo Gabba Gabba with my kids where he took on the role as the kind of in-house art expert. Hey, I'm Mark. I'm going to draw a dog. He has also worked on some brilliant films. A lot of animation. Uh, Lego movies, Hotel Transylvania movies, Thor Ragnarok. How could we forget that? Rugrats films. They're all ten bombs. I could go on, but maybe you could just join us next week to find out more from our chat. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then.